I think we're all familiar with a, a picture, maybe not like that, or it's similar. The idea of little ducklings following mummy duck. It's a song they sing in mums and tots from time to time. The five little ducks go swimming one day and they get lost. And bit by bit the ducks don't come back. And then mummy duck gets them home again. But it's this idea, why do the ducklings follow mummy duck? Well, they've no idea where they're going. They're still learning, aren't they? They can't go out on their own just yet. And they need to learn and they need to follow mummy duck. And while I'm not suggesting Jesus is like a mummy duck, there's an element where each of us is to follow him like that as well, isn't it? For we not exactly sure how to live life properly. We need to learn from him and we need to follow him. And unlike the, the ducklings, they'll go off and have their own family. In terms of us following Jesus, we, we never stop. We, we don't reach a point in our, our life where we're like, well, we've got it now and we can do our own thing. No. We have to, to follow Jesus all the way through. And see, as we turn to Luke chapter 9, at the very end, and this is what Jesus is talking about, about following him. And in fact, it's what everybody else is talking about, and they say that they're going to follow Jesus. But as we turn into verses 51 to 62, this is a turning point in Luke's gospel. Turning point. So whenever I first came, we, we looked at a week in the life of Jesus. Jesus was in Jerusalem. Do you remember that? And then we worked our way through to his resurrection and uh, his, ultimately his ascension at the end of Luke's gospel. But in chapters 1 to 9, we have seen his birth. We've seen Jesus in his ministry. But in verse 51, this is the turning point. Jesus, in verse 51, sets his face towards Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus is heading to the cross. Okay, this is what's going to happen. Chapters 9 to 10, or 9 to 19, for those 10 chapters, it's a block in Jesus' ministry where he knows exactly where he's heading. And that's to Jerusalem and ultimately to Calvary. Because even in this chapter, in verse 22, Jesus has predicted he's going to die. He's going to suffer many things at the hands of men. At the transfiguration when Elijah and Moses came and they spoke with Jesus, what were they talking about? They were talking about the exodus or the departure that Jesus was going to bring people from the slavery of sin into a freedom in him. And then in verse 44 as well, Jesus says um, that he's going to be delivered into the hands of men. So this is on Jesus' mind constantly now. His impending death for us as people. Yet for the joy set before him, he endures the cross. So as Jesus sets towards Jerusalem... The very first destination that they go to is this village in Samaria, a Samaritan village. And what does Jesus face in there is exactly what he'll face in Jerusalem in chapter 19 and 20, rejection. You see it there, uh, they, they arrive and Jesus uh, says, we need to get preparations done, whatever that might mean. And we read in verse 53 that the people did not receive him. And James and John, well, they live up to their name, don't they? They're known as the sons of thunder. And what do they want God to do? To burn up the whole place. They didn't turn, so they want them to burn, we might say. Sons of thunder live up to their name. But Jesus doesn't call down fire from heaven, does he, to burn up the village? No. He actually rebukes James and John. And they didn't burn. But Jesus shows his mercy and grace. Even the people who say no. I'm not sure what happens to that village. 
that they might have another opportunity to hear about Jesus. Jesus in his mercy says, no, not now. That time will come. So now Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. Here we have three men with three conversations. The first one says, Jesus, I'll follow you. The second one says, Jesus says to him, follow me. And the last one says, well, I'll follow you too. So obviously following Jesus is the topic of conversation. And we've already hinted at this at the start, haven't we? That to follow Jesus is to deny yourself and take up your cross. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? That's what we're going to think about today. What does it mean that we follow Jesus? It's not just the moment of conversion. But we're like the little ducklings, but all the way through life. We're ready to follow Jesus in a lifelong following. So how should we, should we be following Jesus? The first thing is that we should be sacrificial in following Jesus. Be sacrificial in following Jesus. Verses 57 and 58. Someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus says to him, foxes of holes, birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. You see, Jesus is saying to this man here, Jesus we know is utterly dependent on other people. Throughout his ministry, Jesus is dependent on the generosity and hospitality. So at Capernaum, it might be Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house. But even in in Luke chapter 8, we meet Mary, Joanna and Susanna. And they provide Jesus for his ministry. They, They are the financial backing, if you like. And Jesus is utterly dependent on God's provision through other people. Later, we'll meet Mary and Martha in Bethany in Luke chapter 10. But life on the road is not easy. And we hear you know, bands go on world tours and they say, well, life's not easy on the road and they stay in five-star accommodation. <laughs> Sounds okay to me for a little while. This is different. This is literally not knowing what's happening next, where you're going to be, where you're going to stay. So Jesus is saying to this man that to follow me does not mean comfort. To follow me doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's not going to be popular. It's not going to lead to a life of wealth. But actually, it might be really hard. And it will involve hardship. Because if we are to follow Jesus, if we need to be sacrificial, and it means that it will cost us comfort. Costs comfort. See, Jesus knows it's not easy. It's much harder than this man believes to follow Jesus. Jesus says, you know, there's going to be discomfort, unease and rejection. We've just faced it. It's an uncomfortable life. And we know it costs comfort to follow Jesus, to be sacrificial, don't we? He he shows that in his life, that it is costly, it is full of suffering. This following Jesus is a, a road of suffering, not to earthly wealth. But to this eternal wealth, not going to, we're not, might not going to, we might not be homeless, like Jesus suggests to this man and what Jesus was like, but there is an element of sacrifice for each one of us. And this man turns away from Jesus because the thought of being homeless, the thought of not knowing to, tr- to, to put your head somewhere, the thought of having to trust God for every meal was too hard. He didn't want to hear. That you need to trust the Father in heaven for every need. And if we are to follow Jesus, if we are to be sacrificial in our following of Jesus, which he asks of us, it's going to cost us some comfort, isn't it? This man sticks his hand up 
And says, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'll do it. Wherever you go, I will go almost. And we put our hands up like that too, don't we? We, we come to Jesus and say, well, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put my hand up and I'm willing to go wherever you go. But actually, we're unwilling to sacrifice those little comforts and luxuries that we have. Our comfort checks our trust. Our comfort in material that we don't go without things. That we live the exact same life as everybody else who is not a believer. We don't give up anything. But we live up the exact same life. So there's this comfort in a material sense, yes. There's also our comfort zones, isn't there? Places where we feel most comfortable. No, not willing to talk about Jesus to the people outside of church. To say to a set of people, well, no, I, I'm not really comfortable with you, so I'm going to ignore you and say, and not tell you that this is the best news you could ever hear. Not willing to talk with others that we think are outside about Jesus. We say to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. It doesn't matter, but let me stay in my comfort zone. Let me not say the hard thing. Let me live my comfortable life with my things. Don't let me have those difficult conversations in work and, and with our family. And soon we discover we're not particularly sacrificial. Not particularly sacrificial in our conversations, never mind our pockets. We need to be sacrificial in following Jesus. It costs comfort and it costs commitment. It costs commitment. See, a sacrificial follower of Jesus will get out of the, go out of their way to help others in need. A, follower, a sacrificial follower of Jesus doesn't count up their hours of service as some kind of loyalty points. A sacrificial follower of Jesus sticks their necks out for Jesus, even when they know they're going to get a hard time for it in our, in our work or in our families. A sacrificial follower of Jesus gives up their time to pray and to serve. That's what we're doing as elders on Saturday. We're giving up some of our Saturday to pray, to serve you, so we can serve you better. A sacrificial follower of Jesus goes without in order to give. A sacrificial follower of Jesus means that God's desire is above our own plans. It costs commitment. We are saved to serve him. In the 1930s and 40s in Germany, there's a guy in the books up on the screen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was part of the National Church, which was the uh, the, uh, sorry, he's part of the Confessing Church. The National Church endorsed Hitler. The Confessing Church stand opposed to it. His books ended up on the banned list. He could no longer teach at his university. He was later executed for the, the, uh, by Hitler because he applauded to kill him. But all his books were banned. He was ostracized from the society. And he wrote this book called The Cost of Discipleship. And we can only imagine the intensity of standing up in 30s, 40s Germany to speak out, to speak a different message, a, a message of hope and a message to call people to follow Jesus. And it was hard work. It was a sacrificial work for Bonhoeffer, wasn't it? But sometimes, as Bonhoeffer counted the cost, if you like, of saying, well, no, this isn't right. We need to look at King Jesus. We aren't faced with quite a stark picture like that, sure enough, but we count the cost 
of what it would mean for us to say to our family, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. And we say, well, that's going to be really hard. And we say, well, actually, I'm not going to bother. Cost commitment. And sometimes we just say no. We need to be sacrificial in following Jesus. And as we learn to be sacrificial as we follow him, we need to learn to give him priority as well. Give him priority. So verses 59 and 60, Jesus speaks to the man and he says, follow me. And then the man says, we might think Jesus is being really harsh, but he says, leave the dead, let me go and bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. But Jesus asks the man to follow him. It seems maybe like a reasonable response as if like, no, we haven't had the funeral yet. Let me have the funeral over and then I'll go. But Jesus' reply is not heartless. The first man was almost too quick to follow Jesus. And this second man is too slow because this is an excuse. His daddy's not dead yet. And he's saying, well, whenever my daddy goes, then I'll follow Jesus. In other words, as he is, if we have to be following Jesus and we are to give priority to follow Jesus... Here this man is delaying in following Jesus, isn't he? He said, I'll follow you, but let me do this first. Let me bury my dad. Let me wait till the time is right. And what we discover is that man's priorities are all wrong. But Jesus needs to be number one. The most important thing for him in that moment was his daddy. Ask us the question, what is the most important for us in our life? It can be our family. But are we going to follow custom or are we going to, 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 to go and, and, and follow Jesus? Because he is a f- deserves first place in our lives and he'll share that with nobody. Because we say to Jesus, look, I've sat in church for years. Let me sort my family life out first. Or whenever the kids get up just a little bit more and have more time to think and, and time to do these things, then I'll follow you. Or whenever my work steadies up and it's much more you know, predictable, well, then I'll follow Jesus. I'll be able to serve and do all these different things. Or maybe younger generation, well, let me get married and, and maybe then for children or maybe it's get through school. And we, we delay. We put off following Jesus. So we need to be deciding, don't we? Because Jesus is more important than our friends. Our families, our farms, our businesses, our pets, our schools, our children. But for some of us, it is none of the above. Yet others, it's all of the above. This man seems to make a reasonable request. And maybe that's what you think you do as well. Look, Jesus, I'll follow you when X, Y, and Z. But Jesus says, no. Follow me now. And giving Jesus a priority rather than neglecting these other responsibilities. Because of God's Spirit living in us, we actually do a better job with all those things. We'll be better parents, we'll be better workers. Because we want to serve Jesus first and love Him the most. Christians who come to faith later in life, not one rejects coming to Jesus. Their only regret is that they didn't come sooner. They wish they didn't delay. 
needs to be a deciding time, doesn't there? Stop putting it off. Jesus says, follow me. But with all of life's responsibilities, the relentless nature that the cycle of life seems to be, where there's so much happening and we're juggling and spinning plates, and it does so hard to all do all those things, in our following, we are to be focused in following Jesus. The final thing, be focused in following Jesus. Here Jesus uses a picture this time. Verse 62 says, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He's saying that it's not going to be hard, but you have to put your hand to the plough. It's going to be hard work to follow Jesus, yes. But you have got to gaze at Jesus. So if you have a plough and you're going, you, you pick your eyes and maybe a tree or in the distance and you go. You plough. If you look back, it's like maybe a child beginning to ride their bicycle and they, they look back and they're weaving all over the place. How can you expect to do a straight line if you're not looking where you're going? Jesus says, well, this is what the Christian life is like. Don't look back, but be focused. Be focused on me. Look to me and what is to come. For here the man says, I'm coming, Jesus, to follow you. Now let me say goodbye. Jesus said, you'll come to me. Don't look back. This man is pining for the past, we might say. Now we, we decide to, to follow Jesus and we look back at what, what could have been. You know, so for me, it's probably the easiest to do. Is, oh, I could have been teaching or I could have been doing X, Y, and Z. I'd have two months off every summer and I could be pining for the past. Maybe you could be pining for past comforts or even past sin. But if we're looking back, to what might have been, Jesus is saying that we have a divided heart. And a divided heart is not fit for Jesus because he wants that priority in our hearts. Think of Genesis 19. Sodom and Gomorrah are about to be, to be burned up. Lot and his wife escapes. What does Lot's wife do? She looks back. She looks back longingly, lovingly at the city that they left. And what happens to her? She becomes a pillar of salt. It's a dangerous thing to reflect back and take her eyes off of Jesus. Jesus says, look forward. Look to him and what is to come. Be focused in him in all of life. He cannot cling to the past, but we need to strip that and what easily entangles us. Just not look to the world, to not be hanging on to the old life, but we need to be prepared for the challenges in following Jesus. And we face those challenges by looking to him. The task of following Jesus requires focus on him and what lies ahead. For what lies ahead for Christ's people? Well, that glory that we thought about last week. We'll be in robes of righteousness because of what Jesus has done for us. That he died on the cross for all of our past sin and our future sin. He became sin who knew no sin so we would have no sin in heaven. So why would we take our eyes off our saviour? Because if we take our eyes off of Jesus, it risks throwing us off course. Think of Peter. Jesus walking in water, Peter takes a few steps, and then what does he do? Instead of looking to Jesus, he looks down, he looks away, and begins to sink. Life is hard, it is difficult. 
And with all the things that go on in life, it's easy to look at the things around us or the problems that lie ahead. What must we do? We must look to Jesus. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, has sent his eyes towards Jerusalem. He has focused on that cross. And we ought to fix our eyes on Jesus. Give him the priority. As he gave us the priority. As he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Not my wills. But your will Lord. And he was sacrificial for us. To follow Jesus in all of life is really hard. But as we focus on him and give him the priority. As we follow and serve him sacrificially. There is a great reward that waits for his people. So will you follow him? Don't delay. Jesus, he enters the Samaritan village and the people reject him. John and James say, burn the city up, burn the village up. Jesus says, no, there's going to be another chance for these people. He's gracious and merciful. And maybe you've done just that. You've come to church week by week. We're not a Samaritan village. You've come week by week. You've heard about Jesus, but you've rejected him. Here this morning, very simply and clearly, Jesus gives you another opportunity. Set your minds on things above. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at the world. Don't look back. But the God's promises of eternal life.